This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this morning to focus on your birth, the coming of you to earth, Lord, to start a journey that would end in your death and you rising again for our salvation, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you for that, Lord. And we ask that you open our minds and our hearts this morning to hear a message from the pastor and that we bring it with us into this week, Lord. And we thank you and we pray you praise you in your son's name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. morning to Isaiah chapter 40, as we look at here is our God. Uh, my wife is taking uh, all the children five and under down for a program, if there's anyone here um, for that. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 1. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be filled up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him, like a shepherd He will tend his flock in his arm. He will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Isaiah is an interesting book. It's a small picture of the Bible itself. The Bible has 66 chapters Here in Isaiah, uh, 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. We know the Bible is broken into the Old Testament and New Testament. So is Isaiah into two parts. That which corresponds to the Old Testament, the first 39 chapters, and then that which corresponds to the uh, the New Testament, this chapter here onward. And so it's fitting that These last 27 chapters that correspond to the 
27 chap, uh, books of the New Testament start with the arrival of the Messiah. Start with this very picture and message of comfort or rest. The word is rest. Do you have God's rest? That's the question you need to ask. Do you have the assurance of God's comfort this Christmas season? Do you really have His rest? And in verse 1, Isaiah calls us to receive God's rest, to receive His comfort. Three things we want to look at this morning. First of all, we want to look at the voice of preparation. Three voices in this chapter. Chapter verse 3, chapter 40, verse 6, chapter 40, verse 9. Uh, the voice of preparation, that which is Christmas past. The voice of Christmas past. Secondly, we see the voice of consideration in verse 6. The voice of Christmas present. And then lastly, verse 9, the voice of proclamation. The voice of Christmas future. And so as we look at these verses, we see, first of all, the voice of preparation, the voice of Christmas past. These words that Isaiah starts out, a voice in verse 3, a voice calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Very familiar words to us. They're used by John the Baptist as he proclaimed the arrival of the Messiah, calling for preparation of the heart. It's a voice of preparation. Uh, some declare the season before Christmas to be Advent or the arrival. Readying our hearts for the arrival of Messiah. And that's what John was doing. That's what Isaiah was calling for. You need to be ready to be able to receive the Messiah. It's preparation and it's repentance calling for a change of outlook to be ready for receiving the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might be able to find Him. Isaiah says this, make everything smooth. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Make everything smooth, flatten everything out, clear the way, lift up every valley, bring down every mountain. The point is this, there are things that are keeping you from getting to God. There are mountains in your way. There are valleys preventing you from reaching the Savior. You know, people, people don't typically want to climb over mountains to get somewhere. They're obstacles. Mountains are obstacles. You know, more people would travel along mountains if they were flat, right? Or like one woman who wrote to the forestry department and said, you know, this area would be much better suited for tourists if you put escalators. <laughs> well, go figure. But God says through Isaiah that there are things that have been keeping you from receiving the Messiah. There are things in your life keeping you from receiving the Messiah. You know, the little baby in the manger is, is a sweet thing. But submitting to the Son of God who has come in the flesh and calls you to worship Him as God and Lord, you have a problem with that. 
There's obstacles in your way that keep you from genuinely hearing and responding to the good news. These are called stumbling blocks. These things that John says make smooth, flatten out. They make you trip over the Savior. What, what is it? What's the stumbling block you have that keeps you from coming to the Savior? Isaiah says, iron them out. Make them flat. What is it that's causing your toe to stumble that makes you hostile toward God? The hypocrisy of other Christians? Oh, I've known too many Christians who are hypocrites. Well, listen, don't make that an obstacle. There's room for one more hypocrite. You can come too because we're all hypocrites. We really are. Maybe your concept of God is preventing you from coming, keeping you from knowing God. Maybe hardship you've endured in life. Why are things like this? It wouldn't be so if God loved me. You know, all we have to do is look at someone like Corey Tenboom, who went through the loss of her father and her brother and her sister because of concentration camps, because they were seeking to rescue the Jews. She might have said, I was trying to do what was good and I found myself in this. But she did not. She, probably more than anyone else that I know, spoke of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe it's pride in your own heart that's keeping you, this mountain of pride in your way that's preventing you from saying you've been wrong about the Savior. Maybe some of your political ideology is keeping you from coming to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepare your way. Ready yourself. A voice calling in the wilderness to you. Make your way straight. It doesn't mean get everything out of your life that's bad. It means because you can't do that. It means taking out that obstacle that's preventing you from coming. Don't ignore it. Don't say, oh, it's not really there. It is there. And John says, take it out of your way that you might find the Savior. Isaiah describes this. Prepare your way. Repent over false ideas of God and then what happens? Verse 5 is the, 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 the reflection of this. Then, when you make your way straight, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. You can't see the glory of God in Jesus Christ until you take that stumbling block out of the way. Your responsibility is to take the stumbling block out. Then you will see the glory of the Lord. Then it will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. Jesus Christ came. But there weren't many who saw this child in the manger as the king, as God come in the flesh. Oh, the shepherds saw it. The magi saw it. Herod couldn't see it. He didn't see the glory of the Lord because he had stumbling blocks in his way. The Pharisees didn't see it. The Sadducees didn't see it. But had they prepared their heart had they removed the stumbling block, they would have seen the glory of the Lord. It's not until you do that, until you break that down, the wall you've erected between you and God, will you be able to understand the salvation that He brings.
You'll have no eternal comfort, no hope in God, no rest in your heart, no assurance in your heart that God is compassionate, that He is gracious, that He is the Savior. Secondly, we see the next voice, not only the voice of Christmas past, the voice of preparation, but the voice of consideration, the consideration of Christmas present. Verse nine, uh, verse 6, sorry, a voice says, call out. And he answered, what shall I call out? All, fre- all flesh is like grass. All its loveliness, all its beauty is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. See, the consideration of Christmas The voice of consideration here is this. Life is short. It doesn't matter how long you live in it. Life is short. Your life is like grass. Do you remember this past summer when the rain refused to fall, when the water ban was in effect, and in some consternation you began to see your grass wither and die? Isaiah says this is, the, this is the, the futility of all of humanity. Life is short. It's brief. James describes, James describes it as a, a vapor, as a fog that disappears as soon as the sun rises and casts its heat upon the day. There's no disputing of this. It's brief. I've shared this before, but uh, several years ago when I was in um, the hospital for a heart, what I thought we thought was a heart thing, uh, I was in the emergency room and a young nurse came and I began to talk to him about the Lord Jesus and his need for salvation. And he said, well, I'm young. And I said, how many people here in the ER that you saw were young that didn't make it? And he turned away and said, I'm busy and I've got to go. And wasn't willing to think about the brevity of life. If you are here, if you have this time in your life, it's because God has extended your life. We're a vapor. What is your life? And yet we understand, as brief as life is, we were made for eternity. We were made for eternity. Our heart says it. You know it in your heart. There's more to life than this. It's not just let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And, And die you shall. But Isaiah declares the brevity of life so that you might consider the necessity of Christmas. There's a necessity for God to become man, to come to earth, to bring life out of death to bring meaning out of hopelessness, to bring forgiveness and righteousness out of sin and judgment. Here is Isaiah describing for us the need to consider the brevity of our life so that we might see the need for the Savior. For in this lot of us, Apart from the gift of Christmas, the gift of Jesus Christ, life is futility. 
life is brief and judgment is sure. Here's the necessity of Christmas. Please consider it well. Here's the voice of consideration. A voice calls out saying, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. Sin produces separation from God. It's the death of the flower cut off from its root. Friends, the flower may look alive. You, put it, you, you bring it home, you put it into a jar, you put some water into it, but it's dead. It's separated from the root. It looks alive. It may appear very beautiful on the outside, but it is withering from the inside out. It's dead. It draws no sustenance from the root. It withers from the inside out. There are many beautiful people. There are many beautiful people, beautiful on the outside, beautiful in their life, but they have no life with God. Inside, they are withering. They're under the wrath of God. Regardless of how beautiful their life is, they're under the wrath of God because of their sin. Their sin separates them from God, and God will bring to them eternal death because they refuse the gift of Christmas. Are you one of those beautiful people who needs more than a temporary makeover? Do you see how everyone today is so focused on the exterior? Facelifts and all these other programs to extend our life and to defy aging. Your sin has separated you from God. Consider the necessity of Christmas. Later, Isaiah says what it is that Jesus Christ did. In chapter 50, verse 6, he says, and this is Jesus' own words here, I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. And also, we see it in chapter 51, where he describes the work of God for us. And as he, as he says, his appearance was marred more than any man. He was struck in the face again and again for you and I. He went to the cross. He bore the wrath of the Father, the wrath that you and I endured, the wrath of hell for us so that we might know the peace of God. It was given to Him so that we might have life He bore it patiently. He bore it lovingly for us. How can you extricate extricate yourself from it? How can you remove yourself from this wrath? Isaiah contrasts the life that we have with the Word of God. He says, the Word of our God stands forever. Because of this, there's a necessity for you to be joined to the Word of God in a new birth. How do you have that? It doesn't come by Bible study. The new birth does not come by studying the Bible. It comes from receiving the Bible message of good news that Jesus died for your sin, He rose from the dead, 
And Peter, in his first letter, quotes this. He says, you're not, you have not been born again in, with perishable seed. You were born once with perishable seed and you're going to die. But you, you've not been born again by perishable seed, but with imperishable seed. That is the word, the living and enduring word of God. You need to be born from heaven, not by your own effort. You need to be born again by heaven, not by your works. So how can you do that? It's very simple, and Isaiah lays it out in verse 11. Come to the shepherd. Come to the shepherd. In verse 11, he says, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He gave himself for you. He laid down his life. He gives you. He offers you eternal life as a gift. They will never perish. But you have to hear the shepherd's voice. You have to listen to him. You have to come to him. You see this gentleness and and power pictured together in these verses. Behold, he comes with his might, but he's a gentle shepherd. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. He says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Are you tired? Are you tired of trying to make it yourself, of trying to be good enough, of trying to earn God's favor? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's the word comfort. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden is light, my yoke is light easy. My burden is light. Come to me. I'll pick you up. I'll save you. I'll give you life. You need to receive him. And maybe you're here today. Now you're ready to get the stumbling block out of the way. Now you're ready to say, I'm going to come to the Savior. And you will. And that's the voice of Christmas present. It's the voice calling you today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. But what do we see out of the voice of Christmas future? The voice of Christmas future is found in verse 9. It's a voice of proclamation. It's the voice of proclamation. If you've received this Savior, you ought to be telling. You ought to be telling others of it. You should be. Oh, get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily. Lift it up, don't fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Jesus has come. He's come to save us. The God-man come in the flesh. It's the voice of proclamation. That's the good news. What does Isaiah say? Proclaim the good news. God has come. He has arrived. Here's your God. And he isn't just getting here, but he's turning the world upside down in the process. You know, Mark uses this phrase, the good news of the gospel. Coming back from here and in other places, Mark describes the beginning of the gospel because Isaiah 40 is the beginning of the gospel. He describes this, he he uses this phrase, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was a similar phrase used in in the Roman world They found, we found recently an inscription dated from 9 B.C. And it says this, Here is the birthday of the god Augustus. 
Here's the beginning of the gospel for the world that came by reason of Augustus. What? This proclamation of the gospel or the good news of a, uh, was used throughout the Roman Empire to herald a new kingdom coming in. It's the reign of a king that brought a war to an end, which is what Augustus had done. He brought the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. So all who surrendered to Augustus and pledged their allegiance to that king would have salvation from destruction. So Mark was using this phrase that his gospel, re- that, that his gospel readers would be familiar with. He wrote to the Romans... They would have been familiar of this. The beginning of the gospel, what was he saying? God is breaking into the world. God has set up a new kingdom. There's a rival of a new kingdom here. Isn't this the message that Jesus announced? Here's the kingdom of God. It's come near, so repent and believe the good news. I'm God, not Augustus, Jesus said. Mark proclaimed, Augustus is dead. When Mark wrote his gospel, Augustus was dead. Jesus is alive. That's what he was writing. That's what he was declaring. There is this good news. And you and I, who've received this good news, ought to proclaim it. Ought to tell of it. Get up on a high mountain. Lift up your voice. The voice of proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is broken in to this world and has upset the natural order. He calls you to a different, a supernatural one. He beckons you to forsake the old world system, to pledge allegiance to a new ruler, to a savior who will transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light, into the kingdom of his beloved son. So here it is. If you've not received him as savior, come and receive him, call upon him with your voice, if you have received Him, then share that. Tell others of it. How good is this news? God didn't send a messenger to tell us how to fix what was wrong. Do you ever have computer problems and you call somebody to come and fix them? And they say, oh, just do this or this or this, thanks. No, no, no. We couldn't fix this problem. God came Himself to fix it for us, to extricate us from our sin and judgment. He came to usher in a new era of God with us. That's the Christmas message. He came to save us and not to leave us alone. He sent His Holy Spirit to live in those who trust Him today. He's here today. That's the good news. So if you've received the good news, Isaiah says, go tell it. Get yourself up on a high mountain. What does he mean? Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to tell of the salvation of God. Well, I don't know. I haven't been to school for that. I haven't been. Can you tell your own testimony? I trusted Jesus. He saved me. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to say. Proclaim the excellencies of God. Proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. Tell of His salvation. You can do that. Put it out, what He's done, the work in your heart. Put it out. If you have received this message, it should make a difference in your life. 
Get up on the high mountain. Proclaim what he's done in your heart. Have you surrendered to him? Are you listening to him? Are you following him? He's the shepherd who picks us up in our arms when we struggle and we fall, who gives life, eternal life, to all who will call on him. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for your grace in Christmas. We bless you. We ask, O oh God, for your Holy Spirit to work in each one. Lord, there are some here who have never received you as their Savior. That today they would call. They would knock down the stumbling blocks, the things that have gotten in their way. They would call upon the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive him. Oh, Father, please, I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. We're going to sing God of Grace. God of grace, amazing wonder, so incredible and free. Oh, the miracle of mercy, Jesus reaches down to me. God of grace, I stand in wonder as my God restores my soul. His own blood has paid my ransom, awesome cost to make me whole. Before we sing that next verse, I know sometimes people are afraid to come forward because they don't want to be in front of people. I've asked a couple to go back, and if you need Christ as your Savior, would you just take this minute before we sing this next verse, just go back. There's a man and a woman back there who will take you to receive Christ. You need to call upon the Lord. Just go back. You won't be in front of anyone. I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of you that would keep you from coming to Christ because you don't want to be in front of others. But if you need Christ, just go back there. They'll receive you. And you can call on the name of the Lord and receive eternal life today on Christmas. What a great day because God calls you. The voice of God calling, be saved. You go on as we sing. God of grace who loved and knew me long before the world began. Send my Savior down from heaven perfect God and perfect man. God of grace, I trust in Jesus. I'm accepted as his own. Every day his love sustains me as I lean on him alone. Let's pray together. Uh, <clears throat> Pastor, before you pray. Yes. Uh, Rick, do you have something you want to? Yeah. So every Christmas we uh, um, 
we get together and we want to give you a blessing. We want to give out of ourselves to you as Christ, as God has given himself. Uh, we desire from our heart to give you a gift and be a blessing to you. So this is on behalf of the congregation. I give this to you. It's, uh, it's an awesome privilege to stand here b before you and to see all your smiling faces and to know that one day we'll all be in glory together. It's awesome. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship we share in the Spirit. We thank you for the grace that you have poured out, the favor that you have given us, uh, that we can stand with boldness before your throne, where there was before fear and enmity. There now is love and compassion and kindness. Father, we're grateful for this day. We thank you for one another and for your gift. And I ask this, I pray this, in your son Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas to you.